Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Another edition of the One Man's Opinion podcast. This podcast is sweeping the nation. It's not the One Man's Opinion. It's just One Man's Opinion. And today, there's only one man's here. It's me. It's your boy, Jeff Manns. Appreciate you guys downloading, listening in, commenting, rating, whatever it is that you do to your favorite podcast. Appreciate you guys uh, continuing to do so, subscribing and downloading and supporting our efforts here. And uh, remember, you could follow my work, fantasyguru.com. That's where you go. If you want to talk sports, fantasy football, all my NFL draft, we just did a two-hour podcast a few days ago about the post-NFL draft, grading all the players, me and Armando Marsal, that you heard here. We have more podcasts, more live streams, more rankings and projections and everything fantasy football and fantasy baseball related over there at fantasyguru.com. Don't forget elitefantasy.com as well. Uh, KBO, Korean Baseball Organization, Daily Fantasy KBO is in full effect. It's an exciting time. It is happening. I and mean, people are winning money. We have full coverage, lineup pages, news, write-ups, all that stuff at EliteFantasy.com. And, of course, bet on everything you want at EliteSportsBetting.com, including poker, horse racing, KBO, UFC 249. Very excited about that. Folks, today I'm going to take a break from sports for today. I'm not going to talk much about sports. Now, we'll always relate things into the sporting world because, after all, that is my job. It's my occupation. But on this podcast, I want to make sure that everybody understands we're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about real situations, and we're going to talk about what's going on in public and what you guys, hopefully, what you guys may be going through or maybe it's something that I'm going through, and I think we were tapping into that today but real quick i will get some sports news off the top uh very excited quarantine i hope everybody's doing well out there who's been quarantined for eight nine ten weeks now um ufc 249 as i mentioned is back this saturday so depending on when you're listening to it maybe already over but uh the ufc coming back is a big first step nascar is a week away from resuming their 2020 schedule the pga tour starts june 11th i believe restarts that we have german soccer that's going on uh, out there in eastern europe so a lot going on in the sporting world i mentioned poker and horse race that we have there the kbo and so we at our the elite sports network are supporting all of it we have content for it all we have shows we have Everything you need for any sporting event that may arise, we have you guys covered for that. And, of course, fantasy football, I am in full-bore fantasy football mode. My rankings and projections and everything are up at Fantasy Guru. And, uh, you know, we're hanging out in the chat room, talking football just about every single day. So, again, check all that out. And if you go to EliteFantasy.com slash Mans, M-A-N-S, get yourself a discount on any of the services that we do provide. So that's going on as well. So a lot of good news, a lot of positivity abounding from that. Now I'm going to drag you down into the dirt. Today's episode, I want to talk about something that many, many, many people suffer from that, but yet don't talk about. 
I'm going to talk about depression today. And I don't mean for this to be a Debbie Downer type podcast because I think uh, I'm going to get into it. And it's, I will talk about my life with depression and what has happened. And it may surprise a lot of people uh, when I say that, that I've suffered from depression throughout most of my life, quite honestly. Um, you, you know, you hear me on the radio, you see my social media, by the way, at Jeff underscore Mans, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and of course, my favorite on TikTok, the Jeff Mans just posted a new video just this afternoon, probably about an hour ago, uh, right there for you, some NFL reactions to everything that's going on over there. But we're going to talk depression today. We're going to, you know, this is the time to do this podcast. This is something that I've thought about and about doing and talking about. I've never publicly spoken on these topics. I've never really privately spoken on these topics. And again, that's what my goal is for the One Man's Opinion podcast is to make sure I'm exposing myself, tell you guys what I've been through and hopefully relating it. Hopefully somebody out there is relating to it or can relate to it. We're going to win money together. We're going to profit with fantasy sports and betting and daily fantasy. We're going to be entertained with different random things that I maybe end up doing or guests that I bring on. But then we're also going to hit hard-hitting topics. I think that it's time for that. I think, you know, two months of quarantine has, has a lot of people feeling bummed, feeling down, depressed, sad, unmotivated, unhealthy, whatever it may be. So I think this is the time to tackle the topic. I believe that depression is something many, many, many more people suffer from than have been diagnosed. I've never been diagnosed with depression. Okay, never. Uh, I have been to therapy one time, uh, several sessions, but I went to uh, a therapy session 10 years ago probably somewhere along those lines. I probably should have went a lot more. I don't have any reason why I didn't go or did go. What happened with me, everybody, is that I didn't know I was depressed. I grew up in a depressed environment. Those who've listened to the previous 14 episodes, by the way, this is episode 15, you guys have got a good good idea, I would say. And if you listen to my SiriusXM show, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, you have heard me talk about my life, South Side of Chicago, moved to the suburbs, moved to the farther western suburbs, and, and all that before I moved down here to Arizona, where I currently reside. I grew up in a depressed environment. I'm the youngest of five kids. Uh, mom and dad were very old when they had me in their 40s, which back in the late 70s was unheard of. So I was never a real important aspect of their lives and that's not to say they didn't love me and all that kind of stuff but like my parents were fucking done by the time I came around like it, it was just done and my brothers and sisters my brother's 19 years older and all there they were living their lives by the time I even came around but I did get to see the bloodlines I got to see how we my brothers my sisters and I you know kind of kept ourselves down and self-deprecating and thinking that, oh, woe is me. It was a woe is me mentality, and it comes from my parents. Again, I love my parents. I never speak ill of them or anything. And just like, I, same with all of you, I, I think there's a line. I think the first 
first as- aspect of breaking out of the depression or whatever it is you want to call it. I understand the name depression is going to, uh, it probably drove many of you away from even downloading this podcast. So I give you guys credit as well, right off the gate. I, it'll probably drive you away because you're like, yeah, hey, what is this? Give me a shot, I'm not depressed. All that. I don't know what it is. Mundane, boring relationship. Let me tell you what I think about depression. I think depression affects everything. I think it, it affects your family life, which I'm about to get into here. It affects friendships, your relationship, your sex life, your career, your health. For health, probably first and foremost. I really strongly believe in that. And again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I, I don't know from anything other than my own life experiences. And that's what I'm sharing here with you guys. But I believe that whatever we call this, that we do it, we do it to ourselves, we bring it on ourselves, or maybe it's put upon us. Bad things have happened to you. Bad things have happened to me. But I, I strongly do believe in the idea that we can break the cycle, that we can break the wheel, that it's a merry-go-round that we can choose to get off of. We don't have to sit and spin around, around, around in circles till we get so dizzy we either get sick and we fall down or die. Like that's not, it's not a sentence. It shouldn't be at least. And uh, you know, I think it starts with uh, family. Let me say this. Uh, I was probably about 25 years old, somewhere around there. Uh, my daughter had been born. Um, first daughter had been born at this point. I'll tell you the meaning of life. People are like, oh, what's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of life? I know what it is. I'll tell you straight the frick out, man. Meaning, life, meaning of life is simple. It's happiness. Isn't that all we're after? Isn't that really it? Happiness, whatever it is. Your food you eat, drinks, sex, drugs, rock and roll, music, whatever. Happiness. That's, we, everything we do, career, everything is about happiness. So with that out of the way, now that you all know it um, and happiness, we, we need to pursue that, like a Will Smith movie or something. Pursue that happiness. Go towards it. Lean into it. Make that your objective. Make that your goal every single day of your life. And if you do and you stay on that path or as close to that path as possible, you're going to have many, many more good days than bad. And no quarantine, no breakup, no health issue, nothing's going to get you down when you choose to stay on that path and you do the things necessary to reach those goals of being happy, right? But but it's something you have to work at because if you don't, you're going to be like me growing up. And that goes back to, you know, my family environment. It, It was pretty miserable. We were the poorest people in the neighborhood by a good margin. And that's saying something. Um, I think I've talked about my parents' combined annual salary in the mid-90s was barely over 30000 and they both worked full-time jobs, okay? Um, you know, and fine, whatever. But so we didn't have a lot of material items, money and food, and everything was always in short supply. My brothers and sisters were always fighting and they had relationships going well, then poor, and coming back home to live, going back out, and they're, they're coming and going from the house. And it was just an environment where, as a kid, I was left alone a lot. And I got to see my parents' marriage was a 
disaster. My dad worked far away in the city of Chicago. By the time we moved out to the Burbs, he would never come home. Um, you know, all of that good stuff. And it would weigh on my mom. And my mom suffered from mental illness, though, again, not diagnosed. But I'll t- I could tell you a story. And I'm not ashamed to do it because, uh, you know, my mom was a great person. My mom drove a school bus for the mentally handicapped, mentally and physically handicapped her entire life. She loved the um, places like the Markland home um, in the suburbs of Chicago. She drove to and from there every single day. I used to ride those buses in the summer when I was very young. And it's, I grew an acceptance of handicapped people at a very early age in the early eighties when it wasn't, you know, normal. I mean, handicapped and disabled people back in those days were shunned and laughed at and scoffed at and had to stay in isolation and shit. It was terrible. And my mom was an advocate for them always. And she was a, she's a great person. She's uh, dis, uh, deceased, passed away in 2012. Uh, but you know, she was a great person, but she had mental illness. Um, talk of suicide all the time with my mom. She, my sister tells a story about how one time she was like by Christmas and my mom was hanging herself in a closet in front of my sister. And she was like nine years old, 10 years old. My sister ran and got help that from the neighbor neighbor came back in and my mom was sitting there like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know, like playing games and shit. My mom had issues like that. She would bipolar. I wouldn't doubt it at all. I used to think when I was real young, my first real vivid memory was that there was two of my mom. There was two of them. One would like, they would switch each other out. One was mean and one was nice because she could be super nice and she could be absolute, the most vicious person on the planet. She threw a, a bucket of knives at me one time when I was like 12 or 13 years old. A bucket of knives, the sharpest knives, threw them at me. Like whizzed all over me, cut one of my toes. Luckily, that was it. So, you know, my, my, my mom was depressed and it came from the relationship with my father who just wasn't around. He battled alcoholism. He, I talked about my dad. Uh, I believe it was um, episode eight. Episode eight, uh, my old man. You guys go download that if you want more background of that. His alcoholism, his battles with cancer and stuff. And in that podcast, I talk about how my mom and dad reconnected after he got cancer and fell back in love and all that good stuff. But for the majority of my adolescence, it was just misery. They fought. They didn't talk. They kind of hated each other. Um, my mom just talked negative, talked about dying all the time, always talked about death constantly. Um, you know, talked about running away and all, all this stuff. Like she would just leave. She would actually, her and my dad would fight. She would leave. And we would not see her for like a day. And she did that just because we couldn't survive without her. And she fucking knew it. And so that was that. And again, my brother and sisters would help, but they were out of the house. They had their own lives and everything. So that, you know, it, it, was, it was a rough environment, I would say. Not the roughest by any stretch. I know there's people, those of you, my parents are still kind of around at least. I did have a home to live in, food on the table. So no, by no means I'm saying woe is me. But I'm saying I grew up with a lot of shit a lot of baggage in my life. And I grew up with this idea that my, some of my brothers and sisters still take it to this day. And I fucking hate it is they talk about, Oh, what was me? We can't do anything. I got bad luck. Oh, bad luck. This bad luck that, Oh, my luck is terrible. My luck is terrible. 
man, I don't believe in that shit. I sure there are things that are luck. Luck is about coin flips. You win some, you lose some. You're not going to lose all the coin flips in life. There's good things and there's bad things, you know. And um, you know, we all won a coin flip when we were born, for Christ's sakes, right? Just the fact of being born. And if we're healthy, if we're born healthy, that's another miracle. So we're, it's, there's a lot of positives. But again, in a depressed environment, you don't think of those. You don't think in terms of everything's always negative. Everything's always bad. You're always looking for the wrong elements of your life and the bad thing. Well, you know, so family was rough. We were a close-knit family, but one that fought a lot and uh, various stages of anxiety and anger and uh, addiction, both drugs, alcohol, within my, the confines of my family, mostly alcohol, um, was the, the issue with my family members. But that was it. And that, so I grew up in this environment. So I was born into it. Um, I used to always get away. I used to play. Right? I'd be that kid that was out all hours of night and day. My parents were so old, they had no idea where I was ever. And I was doing weird shit. Not weird in, in terms of what I was doing, but I would go to fucking prairies and, you know, roll down the prairie path, you know, back in Illinois, train tracks and shit like that we live by. And I would just, I would be all over the area. They would never have any idea with strange people that I didn't know or nobody knew. It's like crazy shit that today's day and age, all of us as parents are much smarter than that. But that's what I would be doing. And so I played sports and turned to athletics and things like that in uh, my early years. And then a real defining moment happened for me. So I, I talked about it on another previous podcast. Um, Jesus, what was that? I, I can't I think it was my old man. I think that was episode eight again, where I talked about the the move that I made from one, one town to the next from Southside, moving out. My brother helping us out, helping my parents out. My parents were destitute by then, broke, bankrupt, owed so much money in their house, foreclosed, the whole deal. It was the, the worst thing you could imagine. And uh, we moved to a better side of town and a better neighborhood and something I credit for really changing my life in many ways. But what happened is I was a real popular kid in school. Sounds a little cocky, but don't, don't worry, folks. It's about to go down. The Jeff Mann's haters that maybe listen, don't worry. I'm about to get mine real popular to the point that I had, well, it wasn't a gang. It was, we called them groups back in elementary school years from fourth grade to sixth grade. I had groups and I was the leader of the group and was a destined leader. Like nobody did anything that I didn't tell them to do. Like they, I'm telling you, I controlled people's lives back in those days. And that's just what it was. Right. Well, that shit came spinning around for me. That summer, um, my uh, seventh grade, and it was the seventh grade school year came around and you know, went into a new school's junior high, you know, fun, everything was good, playing sports, you know, that whole deal. And all of a sudden, the kids that I grew up in the neighborhood, obviously, I was an asshole. And... Nobody likes the leader. Nobody likes somebody with power. Nobody likes that guy. And all my friends, I'm telling you, all of them turned on me in seventh grade. 
it was one day I was getting off the school, but we're riding the bus home from school. I'll never forget. It was weird because like I always sat in the very back of the bus and everybody was weird on the ride, you know, to the bus stop or whatever. We're getting off. But after school, we always went and did sports. We did whatever I said we were going to do because I was the leader at that time. Well, I got off the school bus. I remember vividly walking straight and normally I'm walking with a group of my friends. And all of a sudden, I'm alone. I noticed, like, I'm walking ahead of everybody, and I go to turn around. And as soon as I turn around, I get hit with a piece of wood, two by four, right across the head, right? And nine guys just started kicking the shit out of me, like, just fucking relentless, you know, seventh graders, but I would get my fucking ass kicked, fucking welt across my head blood everywhere, knocked uh, two of my teeth loose, eventually lost them, uh, the whole thing. And like from that day through it all, the whole world changed. Everything changed for me. My life had changed. All of my friends just bowed out. They were gone. And I grew up with a kid. I won't say anybody's name because I don't want anybody feeling bad. I don't, I don't want to drag people down into this, right? But those who may be listening know who they are. I shared, uh, we had a house that back in these days that I shared the driveway, we shared a yard, everything with uh, another family. And that was my best friend growing up, best friend in the world. And he was one of the guys who turned against me and sort of like took over, if you will. He was always stronger than me. He was a better athlete than me, all that. And even though I'd never acknowledged it because I was an asshole kid, but uh, he got into some crazy shit later on, went into a gang. Um, I'll tell you a gang. I'll save that for another podcast. There's some, some stories there as well. This was a bad motherfucker. I grew up with him. and He was my best friend in the world. And he turned a corner that day. And I was terrorized for the rest of my seventh grade year was pure terror. Constantly, like death threats. Um, this was every day. I mean, I would get my ass kicked every fucking day. Like, there's not like, oh, oh Tuesday, I oh, just want, nope. Took the bus, get off the bus, get my ass kicked. I'd have to run, immediately run off the bus to get home. And eventually got to the point. So I, I asked for help from my siblings and things like that. My sister was just huge in helping me out. And she, she helped to get some friends that she knew from the neighborhoods, their older brothers and siblings to kind of help me out and protect me in a way. Cause it, you know, it was getting violent. Well, at one point it was a snowy day uh, where I was getting shit kicked out of me and a kid kicked me. I'll never forget. I was down and I could barely breathe. And he kicked me in the face, right in the middle of the face, directly in my nose with a steel toe boot. And the blood went, boom, like it, like a, fire hydrant opening up he had broke my nose and he didn't break my nose like you you hear about it later in life like oh you could kill somebody i'm stunned it didn't go back into my brain because he kicked in my face my whole face was sunken in my nose to this day people you know say i'm i got a jacked up face well yeah i got my fucking ass kicked and my nose broke and i there was a trail of blood massive amounts of blood pouring from me um, from where I was over the train tracks into my house. And, you know, when my mom and dad and, and my, some of my siblings, my sister came out, they'd find where I was kicked because it was directly a blood mark all the way to it. So it was a, it was a real nasty, terrible, terrible time. 
and uh, and that was that. So uh, one of the good things about growing up where I did and having the life that I did is I did I wasn't weak necessarily. Now I wasn't strong either, but what I learned in those days is the 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 benefits of a one on one fight. Is anybody if you guys are DFS customers of mine or follow my DFS advice on Sirius or anything, you ever hear me talk about how you want to go one-on-one? You want to be one-on-one against opponents. Mass multi-entry, I'm super, super against it. I don't believe in it. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's equal. I don't think it's true competition. I want to take everybody on -on one-on-one. It all really goes back to these days, my adolescence growing up. Because what I ended up, ended up doing is I started singling out some of the guys I knew I could take and I'd get them one-on-one, get them to say something to me and then fight them essentially. And won some of those lost some of those, but I eventually got kicked off the bus for fighting. And so every day I'd have to run sprint home. It was over five miles from my junior high school to my front door. And I would have to run five miles from door to door by the time the school bus got there, if the school bus beat me, because I'd have to run, I took shortcuts down the train tracks and shit, and I had to jump through people's backyards. If I didn't get to there, if I didn't make it, they were corner me, and I for real thought I was gonna, I would have died. And there were several times I was beaten so bad that um, I thought I was dead, like several times. So obviously, this is all going towards the depression, right? It got real bad and awful. And my sister tried to help. My dad at one point went out and tried. He was drunk and embarrassed me even further because he went out and fucking took one of the kids up. Uh, Somebody had thrown rocks at our house or something. And they came out. My dad fucking took him by the throat. My dad almost fucking killed a kid. My sister almost killed a kid running him over. Um, It was a bad, bad scene in a bad, bad area. And I should specify, this is before I moved. This seventh grade was actually before I moved going into eighth grade. So it was real terrible. And I I was getting fights at school. My schoolwork was fucking horrible. Um, Seventh grade, I was worried all this stuff. Well, my grandfather had died right before all this started. My grandfather, um, who I've talked about before, um, you know, he, he passed away. First time I ever dealt with death or anything, somebody I knew dying. There was a Christmas day. He was at the house. Two weeks later, he went in for uh, uh, some surgery and had a stroke on the table and died. And so that sent my mom reeling because it was my mom's dad on her side of the family. And it was you know, just a, a terrible thing. Well, so I ended up having no friends. I went from being Mr. Popularity, Mr. Doing Everything, all the shit, to nothing. No friend, nothing to do. Like, all I did was play sports. I played them by myself. I played them with my nephews who were very, very young back in those days. I, um, my nephew was born, oldest nephew, when I was six. It's my sister's kid. The other one when I was seven. I think I was eight at that point. So, um, you know, I used to end up babysitting them and family became a very important part of my life. Then I started reconnecting with my sister and her kids and my other sister and her kids and um, and my older brothers as well, connected a lot more during those days because that's all I really had, you know. And I, I started learning how to just deal, be alone, you know. Um, 
occupy my time, you know, playing video games, making up sporting events. You know, I used to throw the ball against the wall and shit. Like all the stuff I used to do with my friends. Now I did just by myself, learn how to pitch, learn how to hit, uh, throw the football up. And, you know, I did everything, you know, and always had the whole time. I always had to look over my shoulder because, you know, <laughs> where I grew up, the yards are, there's no gates. There's no like, no, no barriers keeping anybody out. Right. Uh, so people just see me playing basketball in my front yard where, by the way, we had, this is a funny story. I had a basketball hoop that my, my dad and the neighbor, they put up like a month before my best friend decided he's not going to be my friend anymore and kick my ass and go all rogue. So we had a basketball hoop right in the middle of our driveways. Right in the middle that I never could use. Only time I could use it was when my older siblings were around and then we'd play basketball and shit like that. But uh, so it was miserable. And what I, I'm about to tell you is a story that I've legitimately shared with no people ever, except for my wife that knows the story. That's it. Um, I've never shared it before. And uh, during this t- during that time, so I lived right by the Great Western train tracks, railroad tracks or whatever. And it, it, the beatings and everything had gotten to a point where it was just like, you know, fuck this. Like, I, I'm out at this point. I got into a huge fight with my sister. My sister was trying to teach me how to fight and some things. Like, you know, everybody had an idea of how to, you know, they, in, growing up, it was never like, oh, poor thing, let's go to the principal. No, it was like, get tough or shut the fuck up. Like, that's what it was. Um, so my dad used to have to drive me to school like 5.30 in the morning on his way to work in the city. I would sit outside for three hours, even in the freezing cold, because I couldn't ride the bus because I got in so many fights and everything else. And meanwhile, when I, all the other kids started coming in and when the buses showed up, I had to fucking hide in order not to get my ass kicked in front of the school so dragged up. So it was a fucking, you know, a torturous time for me, no doubt about it. But, um, you know, that's what happened. So I got in a fight with my sister. She's teaching me how to fight. And I'll never forget as long as I live. And I'm 13 years old, right before we're about to move to the new neighborhood and everything that I've talked about before. But house was for sale, I think, at this point. But she, she's yelling at me about some shit, whatever it was. I had enough. I had written a note, man, maybe, I don't know how long it was. It feels like a month or two before. And it was a suicide note. Like, I was done. I was it. It just, I didn't want to do this anymore. Okay, I was fucking out. Didn't want to deal with it. Didn't want to do anything. Nothing had brought me joy. I was obviously depressed. I'm a 13 year old, but you know my schoolwork sucked. I I was um, I, I, oh, the basketball team that I was on. Uh, I was shunned from that to the point that I I no longer played because it was with, I, we signed up with all my friends at the time. By the way, I was one of the best players on the team, fuckers. And they uh, they completely isolated. Wouldn't pass me the balls, so I just stopped going. Right. So I had nothing going for me. Just everything was miserable, poor, you know, and it was bad. So uh, I had written this note and I'll never forget, like I signed it like, hello. Uh, I won't tell my grandpa's full name, but, you know, his name was Edward. I'll say, and I said, uh, you know, I'm coming home, Edward. You know, I like use my grandfather. It's the weirdest letter ever. But uh, and I went and I uh, laid down. Um, I was tired. I laid down on the train tracks uh, right by my house. It was two doors down. 
And I just lay there and that was going to be it. Like I was, I was going to fall asleep there and just look, cause there were trains coming, whipping through there, freight trains, not passenger trains, right? Freight just, that was it. So that was it. I laid down on those tracks and I went to sleep. Well, what happened was my then seven-year-old, I believe he was seven or he might've been six, nephew, randomly happened to get out of my mom's house or whatever and walked up the train track. It was a big uphill thing to the train tracks and, uh, and woke me up, essentially. Woke me up and he's sitting there. And he's sitting there and I'm sit- we're sitting on the train tracks and whatever and I'm trying to get him to leave. And what do you know? A fucking train starts coming. See the train coming down. It's downhill right as you'd go. And I sat there and my nephew wasn't leaving. And I was like, I remember thinking at that time, like, oh, fuck. Well, I can't, I can't let him see. You know, I'm not going to let him see this or whatever. So got off the tracks. I got off the tracks. The train ripped through there, um, right there. And at that point, my mom had called and uh, called me. And we ended up going to the mall with my sister. And we went and all this stuff. And I, I went, ended up doing that. And uh, actually wound up having a pretty decent day that day and everything. And about uh, the very next day, my mom had found the letter that I'd written. I put it out before I went to the train tracks. And she found the letter and was like, you know, what are you doing? Like, what the, what the fuck is this? What do you, you know, and I never told her what I did. I never, I've never told the story to anybody. You guys have no idea. This is like weird I'm getting emotional a little bit here because it's just something that I've never talked about and never thought I would talk about, to be honest. So, um, but got through that, had a long discussion with my mom or whatever, and she was helpful. She wouldn't say she was supportive, to be honest. It just was like, get basically like share and moonstruck, snap out of it, you know, kind of thing. Like, get out of here, you're fine. I wound up living essentially with my sister and my nephews at that point. Um, the whole summer break, um, you know, they would spend a night. I would spend a night over there. I babysat while my sister and brother-in-law went out, all this kind of stuff. And uh, I found renewed faith and energy and, you know, started feeling a little bit better. And I had something. My nephews, I love them to this day. And they'll never know you know, how important of a role they played in my life at all. But like, it, that's, it, it's just crazy to think what happens if uh, my nephew doesn't come up to the train tracks that they, not knowing anything, had no idea. I just thought like, hey man, we're supposed to play ball or catch or something or whatever. And, um, but that changed everything. And what ended up happening, you know, through seventh grade and then moving this other issue. And I've talked about this on a previous podcast. It changed my life. Things got better. And what I would tell everybody who's ever been in that deep of a depression, no matter what age you are, if there's a kid, you know, God forbid, I actually have told my, uh, my daughter this at one point, and I didn't tell her the story of why they'll never know. Hopefully they'll never hear this, but I did say like, things will get better. Don't give up on your future. Don't give up on all the greatness that can happen in your life. And I'm talking about everything. 
I'm talking about the first time you have sex. I'm talking about great food. I'm talking about people you meet that become lifelong friends. I'm talking about, you know, items you could buy fucking, you know, the fucking internet. I would have never known what the internet was if I would have stayed on those tracks that day. You know, I don't, the internet doesn't happen. Video games, fucking iced coffee from Dutch Bros, my favorite. You know what I mean? Like everything. It never happens. My daughters aren't born. My son's not born. You, you know, it, and it could be as little as iced coffee. It could be as big as, uh, you know, your, your children or whatever. It's like you don't throw that away, man. Times are going to get rough. I've saved. I'm not a spiritual guy, anything, and I'm also not a luck guy. So I think there's some things that weave in and out of this on purpose, but you know, I had a good summer that year. I went into school. I made a lot. I made new friends in my new area. Um, ended up, you know, getting back and playing sports, a new basketball team, a new baseball team. We won. We did well, you know, and, and it just was a different life with people that uh, I realized at the time or my later, later years, I realized this and it happened in high school. Like I didn't go through any more drama in my schooling years because I learned to accept everybody. There was a kid that I used to pick on. All right. His name was Jeff too, by the way. I won't say his last name, but his name was Jeff too. Fucking used to destroy this guy. I used to make fun of him. He had a giant head. I remember just a ginormous head. Always oh, a real smart kid. Used to pick on him all the time. Every sleepover, we used to go and egg his house. You know, and I realized like one of the things I thought I hated about him, he had an amazing relationship with like his parents. He loved his parents. His parents were pillars of the community. I think his dad was on like the council of whatever in the town I grew up in. You know, the whole thing, dad would play catch with them outside and they'd have all, we'd hear about special trips and we used to like make fun of him for it. Realized like, fuck man, we were the losers. That kid had it to go, but you know what? So the first time when I used to sit in the back of the bus and all, I was a popular kid and I got the shit beat out of me. I became the nerd kid, right? I had to go and sit in the front of the bus all of a sudden. You know, the, the only kid that let me sit next to them without like, you know, even my girlfriend at the time, by the way, my girlfriend totally ditched me at that point, bitch. But yeah, she, she left me too. Like the whole, the whole thing. It was just a, a misery. But that kid, Jeff, let me sit next to him and we became like somewhat friends. And, uh, you know, and I, he's just a nice superhuman kid. I, at that point, I realized like, I accept all people. And I will, you know, not, I don't judge people. You don't know what's inside them. You don't know what they're about. You don't know what somebody else is going through. You know, talk to everybody. And that, that was a big thing in my high school. It's actually how I ended up meeting my wife is that, um, you know, we just, my high school became like the kids, by the way, none of them went on to anything. The ones that kicked my ass and all the, all the guys from my neighborhood, not one honest to God, man. And it's sad. Not one, not one single guy, two of them are passed away. Um, not one of them have made anything that I know of their lives at all. Like real sad. Like even my neighbor friend, he went into gangs and it was real bad. He had a real, he had a real bad uh, uh, time. He's actually, he's still alive. He's not one of the ones that passed away, but uh, disowned by his family and everything else. Um, abandoned his 
child, a couple children that he had. It's, it's like a, just a miserable existence. And again, uh, things happen for a reason. And my life would have taken a different turn. If I was accepted by them, I would have went down their path. Me getting my ass kicked, me getting depressed, me being beaten to a fucking pulp was the best thing that ever happened. It woke me up. It got me out of Dodge. I knew I had to leave. I knew I had to break out. You know, I knew I had to change. And I say this story for you guys, uh, to you guys, in hopes that maybe there's somebody out there going through something similar. Divorce, right? Divorce is terrible. Breaking up a relationship either way, whether it's divorce or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, it's bad. Maybe you lose somebody you love. COVID-19 took somebody. You know, you're going through something. You know, the next day, there's, there's great times to come, no matter what, no matter how bad it is. You know, the, the world looked at Jeff Manns back in that year specifically, like just get rid of this fuck, right? Get rid of him. This fucking little kid, know nothing, will do nothing with his life. Get him the fuck out of here. And, uh, you know, put these thoughts in his head, put the depression in his head and let him get fucking obliterated by a train and nobody would have ever thought about it. No, you know, the world would have never even considered it, you know? And, um, but there was a different path for me. I, I was fortunate. I took advantage of an opportunity and have brought good into the world, uh, whether it's via my kids and help my mother out and when she needed it and my family out at times and, uh, you know, do, do this podcast, maybe entertain some people, um, whatever, but I, I've been very fortunate in my life to have done some really good things and each one, and I'm nobody, man, you know, people on Twitter will tell you I'm nothing. They don't think anything of me. Most people, you know, those guys, I don't get, that's why I don't worry about people on Twitter. Uh, you fucking idiot. You're stupid. You don't, I don't care, man. Like, you guys don't bother me. You get, you're, you're nothing. You don't bother me. You know what I mean? If we're going to fight because we have different take on sports, so be it. You know what I mean? Bring it on. It's stupid. Those, those, that time you spend worrying about other people or hating on other people is really stupid. And that's that. So anyway, uh, going back in depression. So th this depression affects everything. I was able to sort of break out of that, Nate. And I'll tell you what. I met you know, a new group of friends in, uh, in eighth grade and into high school and all that. And I was a... I was once the worst friend you can imagine to the point that everybody hated me. They turned on me, I should say. And then, then I became, then I had a very small group of friends, but I knew I had to work on that friendship. I realized like, you know what? I just, you know, I had to do well for other people. I realized when I started gaining friends again and all that, like I'm going to be a good friend. I'm going to be the type of friend that's there. I'm going to listen to their problems. I'm going to listen. I'm going to, outwardly acknowledge that I appreciate them when I do. I'm going to do things that are important to them, you know, and I'm going to be in a healthy friendship with those people. And that, my, my wife, who I met in high school, our senior year, is because our entire senior class literally got along. And by that time, I was much more popular because um, I played sports and I was in a band and uh, I ended up you know, having a little bit of money because I worked hard and, and did other things or whatever. And a little bit of popularity, but we would have parties and everybody, there were no class. We invited everybody. Everybody was in, you know, our senior class is a real good class of people, you know, that uh, people talk to. I still have friends to this day, but my wife was my friend who we just decided, hey, you know what, let's 
give this a shot. And here we are 20 years of marriage later, 26 years of being together later, and we're still going three kids and, uh, you know, nobody more important in the world every single day. And that's the reason I got her to agree to go out with me eventually is because I was a good friend to her and I knew what it was like that. And I was a good a boyfriend at the time because I realized that I had to work at it. And as a husband, it's the same thing. And my wife and I have gone through our troubles. We've had our problems. It's been a rough, it's been a rough go. I went through depression again later on in life. All right. I went through depression because I hated my job. I worked for the government for a number of years and what was a really good, well-paying job became a middle management fucking nightmare in which I'm a creative person. I have a lot of opinions. I don't know if you guys have noticed that or not. And I was stuck in this life. And at that time, I had three kids and payments and everything else. And my wife had to work so hard running daycares and doing all this kind of shit. And it just wasn't, I wasn't fulfilling what I wanted to be. And that led me down. I was drinking more. I started, you know, didn't have a, I wouldn't say a problem with alcohol, but I drank a lot. I withdrew. I wasn't being a good father. I wasn't being a good husband. Um, And then I went through some stuff, which I'll talk about in another podcast, as far as the death of a close friend of mine. And I bottomed out. I legitimately bottomed out for the second time in my life where I just went into a tailspin of depression and knew I needed to change my life and needed to do something, you know, something different. And it, it was terrible. And I think about those times a lot. I think about when I was a terrible husband, I was a bad father for a while. And it motivates me to remember how to be good, know how to be a good friend, a good husband, a good person, a good father, all those, those little things. I think you have to be proactive in it, man. I think you have to get yourself out, do the things that make you happy. The other thing that I strongly advise with all of this, and that's part of the problem that I went through later on in life, is that I did look around and thought, I was in this middle management job. I was making good money. It's not like I wasn't making bad money. It wasn't about money. It was just other people had better th- did things that I wanted to do. And honestly, I was running the fantasy, the, my first fantasy company at the time, Scout Fantasy Football, and it just wasn't going anywhere, right? And I was trying everything I could and it didn't do anything. It wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't catching on. It was brutal. And I felt helpless and it just drove me down a bad path. And I started just, you know, being feeling sorry for myself and everything else. And it had to, you know, it came to a head at a certain point. And I had to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to choose, you know, I'm going to be happy. You know, it was right around Christmas time. I remember I made a decision. I'm like, you know, what? I'm, I'm just going to decide that I'm happy and that this is going to be a great Christmas. And I'm going to, you know, remember why I fell in love with my wife in the first point and, why, you know, how, what a blessing is that my kids and, you know, all the joy, they don't give a shit. My kids don't care what I do or what Twitter says about me. And then, you know, whether it's a pet, a relative, a friend, you know, the people that are closest to you, remember that too, folks, when you get down on social media and everything, just remember though, those people that care about you don't give a shit. They don't care that so-and-so says, don't speak your name again. They don't care that this person thinks you're a shitty DFS player or this person hates your football uh, bets or your, you know, your draft strategy. or what. Nobody gives a shit. People that care about you don't give a damn about that shit, right? They don't. And by the way, if you're one of those people that do care, 
if you're friends with somebody just because of their Twitter following, they get a lot of likes, you're a bad person. You're a bad friend. You know, that's it. You're a shitty friend and they shouldn't like you. And um, so, like I said, going back to my, my ultimate point with that is don't look around. Don't worry about what the neighbors have, folks. Don't worry about what this guy or this girl has, their boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, their house, their car, their clothes, their hair, their whatever. For one, uh, I tell my daughters this all the time, and my daughters are beautiful. Trust me on that one. But like, yeah, anytime you complain about looks, like none of us chose our looks. Like again, my face is the way it is because I got my my jaw, my uh, orbital bone, my nose has been broken, right? Like you're born into a certain family, you're born with certain genes. That's what you got. Nobody, you go. What are you gonna go have plastic surgery like a fucking lunatic? No, don't do that. Be who you are and be fucking proud of who you are. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how you look. Oh, you have a big head like the kid I made fun of. Yeah, that big-headed kid, your only fucking friend, idiot. You know what I mean? You're tall, get over it. You're small, get over it. Who cares about how you look? God, we're so fucking... The whole society is fucking stupid, how, so, how we look. Now, granted, you can control cleaning yourself and don't smell like shit. How about that? How about, how about that? You know, brush your teeth, fucking don't smell like shit, take a bath, fucking, you know, and clean yourself up. That's it. The rest of it, oh, your eyes are brown, your eyes are blue, your hair is lost, your hair is, your beard, whatever. Who cares? Stop worrying about garbage. Don't worry about shit that doesn't matter. Don't worry about the neighbor's car. The neighbor's good car, good for them. You know what? I think my neighbors get a good car. Good, they're not going to come after mine. I swear to God, I think that way. I'm like, yeah, maybe it's because of where I was raised. I think, oh, fuck, nicer shit I get, they're just going to break into my fucking place and steal it. That's what they're going to want to do. So I want my neighbors to have better shit. I want my friends to succeed. I want my friends to be rich. I want my friends to be famous. Like, I I want that for different people. And that's an attitude I probably wouldn't have had had I not gone through, you know, the bouts of depression that I've gone to. I've gone through. And, And I am a believer, not a spiritual person, like I said, but I am a believer that I want you put out in the world. And I've noticed a direct correlation. When I'm good to others, right? When I'm outwardly good, that shit comes back onto me. I've been lucky in my life. I've been very fortunate. I'm fortunate for every one of you that would download a show that I put together, listen to my nasally drone for an hour plus talking football, life, whatever the fuck I'm talking about. I'm very fortunate and lucky to have all of you guys do that. My SiriusXM show, the websites, the coworkers, the people that follow me on social media or whatever. Very, 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 very blessed by it. And that's why it's a relationship with our customers and people that I'll never take for granted. I'll work every goddamn day of my life to ensure I protect that and let you guys know how much it means to me because I believe in that. And I've mistook that before. I've done it several times in my life. And every time, bad things happen. Every time I've shown the appreciation to those that are important to me, every time that shit comes back in a positive way on me eventually. Every time something opens up in the world that an opportunity or something that it has been a benefit. And it's not because I went and sought it out and I tried to do it. No, it just happened. Put the good out into the world, folks. It will come back for you. It may take longer than you want, but it'll come back. Also, Choose to be happy. 
You know, there's so much negativity. It's so easy. It's so easy to be grumpy. It's so easy to be negative. It's the easiest thing in the world. Choose not to. Choose not to be that guy or girl. Choose to be good to other people. Put out positive energy. You know, it, yes, you're going to get pissed. Yes, you're going to get sad. Don't be afraid to live another day. Don't be afraid to take that baby step forward. You're never going to take the leap. Things are never going to happen as you want them to happen. As a matter of fact, you know, that's a story I tell people a lot about my Sirius XM days. For one, you know, they, they had a, I had a popular podcast. And that's how I got in Sirius XM. And I've told the story in the past. And um, we were pretty successful from the get-go. You know, the station was successful. We had a weekend show. And that weekend show started getting a lot of notoriety and popularity and blah, blah, blah. People tuning in and everything else. And um, it took me two and a half years, though. And two and a half years before I got a regular time slot. And even that was like Mondays and, or Wednesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays at all different times. It was all jacked up. And eventually, you know, the numbers were good and everything that I got that midnight show where I think a lot of you probably found me originally because we had the highest rated show on the network from 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. And it was, you know, people didn't understand why or how that could be from 12 to 2 and they thought, well, we have to move you up. You're going to get moved up into middays. You're going to be in middays. And I remember I got passed over. Oh, I told that story with Bob Harris. That was it. Because Bob Harris and Mike Dempsey uh, are the ones that got the job instead of me. And at that point, like I had enough juice and I had enough power, if you will, to start my own thing or go somewhere else. I had other opportunities. I stayed with it because I believed in it. And I believe it was the right call. It took an extra year. I eventually got on. And what do you know? There's room for both of us. And Bob and Mike are two of my dearest friends and nice guys. And, you know, I could have been jealous of them. I, I could do all that stuff. I could be choose to be mean or bitter or angry with, with those guys or other people that get other opportunities. You know how many times I've been nominated for Radio Show of the Year? I've been the highest radio highest rated radio show uh, anywhere, any sports show, until Matthew Berry started his ESPN show, there was nothing that got more listens to than my shows. That, that's just a fact. It's just the truth. And I won, I think I won one or two, one or two awards. Like every year I'd be nominated and somebody else passed me over. Do I ever get bitter? Do I ever get mad? No. People ask, oh, can you believe this? Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. Good for other people getting acknowledgement and everything else. I think we do a good job. You know, and I've been employed and I've got to meet great people and have great listeners and all that stuff. Don't need somebody to tell me I'm doing a good job. It's nice to hear. Don't get me wrong. If anybody wants to tell me, I'd love to hear it. But don't need it. You know, that's not what's important. And that, that aspect and that element isn't important. And that's like that in your guys' lives too, right? It's It's... Take that next step. Keep going. Keep marching on. Don't worry about what everybody else is up to. Social media is bullshit. Everybody lie. It's all just a lie. Control your own home. And by the way, and so let's talk about this. You want a good family life. You want your wife to like you more. Do good things for her. Make her want you more. You want better. You want sex more often. You want better sex more often. Make her want you more. Do better things. 
you do it when you're courting girls, the same difference. You guys want to be better. Like we fall into this rut. All of us do. We fall into a rut where we just go into the same things every day. It's the same, the same, the same. And it gets boring and mundane. And eventually we get depressed and we see other people. Uh, our friends are having great relationships and they tell us the story of, oh, my, my husband got me this. My wife got me this. Oh, my wife you know, wants to go at it, you know, five times a week, six times a week, all this shit. No, make it happen, folks. You, you're in charge. Make all of it happen. Get after it. Make your friends want to be your friends. Make your wife want you in any way you want. Make your kids long for when you're done with work and you, you know, come back from work and you're doing something fun. Your guys are going out for ice cream or you're, you're playing a game or you talk to them about their day. And that's another thing too. Always talk about other. It's a secret of life, man. Secret of life. Talk, ask other people about how they are doing. And actually listen, don't say it off the cuff. Ask them what, how they are, what they're going through, especially in times like this. Call people, Zoom them, text them even. Whatever you have to do, ask them how they're doing. Don't just make it one-sided. Even if you have a lot to say to your friend or relative, ask them how they're doing. They will appreciate it. Trust me. They will appreciate it much, much more. Um, so there, you know, I hope that puts a spin on depression, my life with it, my family's life with it. I think I battle it every single day, to be quite honest with you. And I'm not perfect at all. I have, I have relapses all the time with it. I go, I fall into ruts and things and I start feeling myself, you know, getting, whether it's jealous, you know, it's really strangely for me, it starts with jealousy. I start getting jealous of other people or other things. Like I have to, I, I just feel that way all of a sudden. And I, I start feeling sorry. And then that, that jealousy ends up in me feeling bad about myself. Somebody else has more followers or some tweet got more likes. I lost three days in a row in DFS. Oh, I, I didn't think Kyler Murray was going to do as well as he did. You know, whatever it is, that's all work shit. But, you know, anything. My neighbor got Jaguar. My neighbor got a nice car. Oh, they did this. Um, it starts there with me, right? And then I get sorry for myself. I feel bad for myself. I start, And then I start wallowing. And it goes down that road. And every time it happens, I have to actively catch it. Because if I don't, I'll fall into it. And then I end up being an asshole. Then I end up you know, yelling and being a jerk to my family, friends, wife, kids, whatever. And, and it, it's a steamroller effect, right? And it, it just, I become a, a worse version of myself. So you have to actively work at it. And I strongly believe in it. And I don't think anything's too far gone. Now, to anybody in a relationship that's been uh, affected, I know a couple of friends of mine are going through, no, you don't know them. Stop trying to guess, you fuckers. No, a couple of friends of mine are, have reached out to me. Hey, we're having some problems right now and yada, yada. And all I could say to them and, and everybody else is just keep working at it. There's a reason you're here. This quarantine has been brutal to people. There's a lot of things you can't do. My sister's been so upset. My mother-in-law has been just upset and depressed. You know, people, it's a scary time to be alive, but we are still here. We still control our own destiny. There's still a lot of good things. We have Netflix and we have uh, <laughs> Netflix and internet 
and uh, every now and then we have sunshine and we have each other and we have podcasts like this and you know there's sports that are coming back right now and daily fantasy and betting on sports and playing poker with the boys over leadsportsbetting.com or whatever brings you joy maybe it's cooking maybe it's cleaning household repair you know you're working wrenching on the car washing the car making that look nice you know playing with the kids whatever it is you know you had there's so much good happening right now you just got to find it and you got to keep going for it you got to make it a part of your daily regimen every single day and uh, the relationship stuff will get better you just you got to first another one other thing before i uh, end this uh, depressing podcast is i, I do want to say you won't make anybody happy by the way you won't be a good friend you won't be a good brother sister mother father son daughter aunt uncle all that shit right you you're not going to help somebody else if you can't help yourself it may sound egotistical and maybe it is but that's just the way it is i strongly believe it if i'm not happy myself i can't possibly affect my wife kids friends coworkers listeners followers on twitter social media whatever I can't make a positive TikTok. You know how brutal that is with this charming face. Get, it, get the fuck out of here. Um, but that's what I'm, I'm saying. You, it starts inward. Always begin with yourself. It starts with you. You have to get happy. You have to decide to get out of the rut. You have to decide, I'm changing this life that I'm in. I'm moving forward. I'm going to try something new. I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to be a better person. You have to actively do it. It's not going to happen for you. It's not going to happen naturally. You have to take control of yourself. And when you do, when you decide that and you implement that, people will want to be around you. People will want to be a part of that circle and that life. Right? And the people you want to be around you will want to be around you. And that will positively affect them. And then they, their lives will improve. And then your entire environment is improved, right? It's like a, a sports team. We talk about um, chemistry all the time, don't we? Oh, the chemistry on the 20, 2005 White Sox, unbelievable. Oh, look at that. Not a talented team, but they all got along and everything. Yeah, it worked because everyone is happy. Lose, getting after it. They let their talent just shine through. It happens in clubhouses all the time in sports, baseball, football, basketball, whatever. Great chemistry. The chemistry is starts with individual people all, you know, all simultaneously decide, hey, they're going to positively affect themselves. They're going to be a good teammate. They're going to be a good person in the locker room. They're not going to sulk. They're not going to worry about contracts and publicity and PR and the coach made me run an extra lap or whatever bullshit. They aren't doing that. And their positive energy impacts and brings out positive energy with other people in that clubhouse and eventually trickles down affects every single person. It's the same in your workplace, the same in your family. It's the same in your life. Do it. Make those decisions. Go for it. Trust me. Believe me. If you don't believe one other fucking thing I ever say, understand and believe that I'm telling you the God's honest truth that I have proof my own life happening. So there you go. <sighs> All right, that was a dark one. That was a um, that was different. You know, things I've never talked about. I'm going to sit in this chair 
for the next three hours probably in a dark room, which by the way is completely dark in my room where I'm at. And I should film myself doing this because I will need to know how this is going to go over. I have no idea. I don't know if there's going to get a reaction. Nobody will care. Fart in the wind. Uh, maybe it, it, it hits home with some of you guys, whatever it is. But I wanted to put that out. I, it's part of what I promised you I would do on this podcast every day. I'm going to bring you as much of me as I possibly can, as much as anybody should ever want. I'm going to bring you plenty. When sports are in season, we're going to talk a ton of sports, of course. Talk a ton of football. We'll get into Major League Baseball. If you want me to talk KBO or there are other topics, if there are topics you guys want me to address, for, and again, it can be daily fantasy, sports betting, football, systems. Uh, and you want me to talk about cooking. For one, you'd be asking the wrong guy. Drinking, uh, whatever, any topic that you want me to hit. If there's stories you want me to tell and I, you know, of my life or something else, hey, man, so do you have any experience with um, – I've told you, I've teased the, uh, the gun one before because I, I think that's and I think I was gonna do the the three gun episode here, but I decided to do this one because I because there's part of this story that I told today that is going to be involved in that one. And if you haven't listened to this show first, you might miss part of that. So you know it's all part of the the chain here as well. But if there are topics, hit me up at Jeff underscore Mans. Follow me on Snapchat, the Jeff Mans, Facebook, the Jeff Mans. TikTok, Instagram, the Jeff Mans. I'm right there for you at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter. Again, the Elite Sports Show, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern every weekday on Sirius XM's Fantasy Sports Radio. Check out my work at elitefantasy.com slash Mans, fantasyguru.com for all things fantasy baseball and fantasy football, elite sports betting, well, for all sports betting, including horse racing. And if you want to join our poker club, hang out at the poker table three, four nights a week with me, Ted Schuster. And the gang over there, MLB model. Just uh, join us over there, EliteSportsBetting.com. Everybody free. It's, uh, free to join the poker club, at least. VIP chat room is not free right now. But if you do subscribe to Elite Fantasy, we can get you in over at the ESP site there as well. All right, folks, that will do it for episode 15. Thank you for indulging me on this story. I appreciate every single one of you so much for downloading. If you could... Be so kind. If you like what you heard, tell a friend, spread the word. Let's get these download numbers and subscription numbers up as much as possible so we can start banging out more and more and more of these things and start sending some good vibes out into the world. I would des- I would so, so appreciate it. If you didn't like it, tell me. Rate it, review it, one star. You suck, bro. I don't care about your stupid life. Hey, whatever. I can take it, folks. It's no, no problem, but... Let's have that conversation. Let's keep it rolling. All right, that's it for episode 15 of One Man's Opinion. Again, you may disagree. That's okay, because it's just one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Deuces!